listening to Inside the Inside. My name is Eva Hendrickson. Hi, thanks for joining. You're just in time. This is the first episode of our student-to-student podcast about life, design, and research at the inside. What is this inside, you may still wonder? Formerly known as the Master Interior Architecture, Inside is an interdisciplinary course at the Royal Academy of Art The Hague, which focuses on research-based design practices leading to more socially aware outcomes and positive change in our terrestrial living structures. Today we are featuring two first-year students, Tom and Malta, as well as a graduate, Alicia. They're hopefully going to shed some light on their projects and design challenges, something all creatives can relate to. When I told people from graphic design, like, oh yeah, we have a we have a project for a semester, like, what? It is a luxury. <laughs> yeah, it is a luxury indeed. Like, uh, maybe it's just kind of like a different approach, but you find still a master study. So hi Tom. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Um, could you shortly introduce yourself? Like, where are you from? How old are you? Yeah, so I'm Tom. I'm already 13 and I live in Netherlands already eight years. I moved from the Czech Republic where I kind of grew up, even though I was born in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. You're going back to your motherland. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's like, I see it almost like a father and motherland, something like that. <laughs> I think it, everybody makes curious, like where you come from, where you, where your parents met, or... Are they Dutch? Your last name is not Dutch, it's... Uh... Indeed, like, my, my last name is... Uh, it's even a female... Uh, I know, name. I was curious about that. Yeah. What is uh, your last name? Shebestikova. And it's, uh, like, sometimes... Some people that recognize it, it's, like, really, <laughs> really a question, like, wow. What's... So I got my female surname uh, from my from my mother, yeah. I, I find it, uh, like, honoring when somebody recognizes, but it's also a little bit funny, or so, I don't know. Uh, it's very cute. It's uh, kind of a step further, I, I see it. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of, I, I find it nice to know a little bit from both cultures. It's I, I, I met more uh, kids that grew up in more cultures. And it's true that you don't maybe completely identify yourself with, with one country. Okay. And that can be seen as a, a disadvantage, but uh, it's also an advantage that you just can see objectively like on, on the various places. Are the cultures that different, do you feel? Like... Uh, in certain ways of behavior, yes. I think Czech people are more romantic and more uh, really warm-hearted. They're not so superficial. They speak out what they think. and uh, They do or they don't? They do, yeah. And, but the Dutch have... Uh, I mean, they're, Dutch they're proud also, of their I, I think Dutch, Dutch, Dutch are also very like straightforward. But... Uh, but it's also like kind of like the positive and the cooperative uh, aspect, I think, that Czech might still learn, could still learn from the Dutch. <laughs> oh, where did you study before? I studied, yes, yeah, so I studied uh, before inside, I graduated from sculpture department in uh, east of the Netherlands, in Enschede. It's a city where I was born. So that was also like a reason for me like oh i want to study in the city where i was born because i want to get to know myself like 
uh, for fine arts, like of uh, a great solution. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before uh, sculpture, I studied in the Czech, actually at the place where my mother comes from, and uh, uh, on architecture department. And there's, these are both bachelors. Yes, they are both bachelors. So. Two, I had uh, after my sculpture department, I had two years just practice, like uh, working. But it was otherwise I was kind of constantly studying. I, I actually with with the sculpture department while studying fine arts, I realized myself like oh actually I also have aspects of architecture I want to come back to or 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 uh, Im- like improve. And because I made my I made the decision when I was already. 13, 12 years young because I did ballet from the age of five and I danced for 20 years. Wow. Put yourself the question when you're 12 or 13, do you want to become a professional dancer? And this and is in Czech Republic. That's in Prague, yes. I think so, in, same in Lithuania, when they, if you're a very uh, prospective uh, student, let's say, in music or in dance, they kind of want to lock you up uh, right yeah, away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. old school. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen it indeed, maybe indeed, like locking up uh, in kind of the category. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's, it was also for me too early of a, of a, of a decision um, to take. And yeah, I, usually dancers uh, uh, make their career on the after 35. So maybe at this point I would have five years left or so. And that would just feel like, oh, like, and then becoming a teacher eventually, okay. That's, that's, that's pretty much the, the route yeah. everybody goes, right? Yeah. That, that idea just really made my decision much easier. Uh, and how did you find the inside? Yeah, I, when I was studying the Czech, I visited uh, very uh, good students every year, the Venice Biennale. And uh, in the airplane, I met one of the teachers of the uh, inside department, and I sat just right next to her. And I was asking, uh, where are you going and uh, where are you coming from? And they said, yeah, well, we are from inside department. Oh, serendipity. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, later on, I also met uh, like my colleagues who are also studying interior design. I just uh, felt the calling. <laughs> and now you're in the first year. I'm in the first year masters, yeah. How do you like it there? Um, it's a different than your previous study. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I have to say there are indeed differences with uh, sculpture and uh, architecture department. Yeah, it's it's much more pitching. It's uh, much more professional. It's uh, it's yeah, it's much more structured. I I think I like it. It's uh, inside department is much more about applied uh, and it's not so much about personal feelings i have to say but it's applied so so it in that way it's different it's not always telling about your own story but it's yeah i mean it's very obvious of uh, i think even though a lot of well uh, like a lot of good architects probably make a very personal story maybe they write a story first and then they design the building I would like to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's the same with in graphic design. I think that a good graphic design is, uh, I at least I see it as a service, and then you have to, um, of course, there are personal projects, but it is a service in a way that you are the one communicating to a bigger, broader audience, and either it's information or uh, it's a feeling, but it has to, you know. 
Yeah, it has to resonate with the with the rest, and yeah. I guess with architecture, it's it involves it's, so many people, and it uh, yeah, there it, has there, impact there, on there someone. becomes a great responsibility. I've seen it actually at a certain point. Like art is something you may see and you can expose and you can see, but architecture people really have to accept because that's just standing there and nobody can walk around it or not go to that gallery, so to say, because yeah. it is present. And and there I see a little bit for myself a difference. Like for architecture, you have to be very considerate, and you you should make things correctly. So what are you okay. working on right now? Uh, I'm, I'm I was a lot of researching uh, the past uh, month with uh, my classmate Ariana. It was also a great challenge to work in a group with, with two people. But uh, okay, at the end... Sculptors don't usually do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, a, I have to say, at the end it was uh, super nice because uh, we researched on ecology and how um, and the ecological impact of uh, human behavior. And I, I was very happy because it's like kind of a... I felt like finally, oh, I can research on whatever I want. You also kind of then really know that, oh, that's indeed like my field of interest. I think it can be sometimes dangerous in architecture that you would get a assignment that maybe is not in your in your field, but you would then have to find your specific uh, perspective in it that you still find uh, kind of that you can still find yourself in it as well. I think that's what, for instance, in sculpture, you almost uh, cannot have. Yet. You always make something out of your own. Right, you start already. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't compare it this way because there are definitely there is uh, definitely ways of also always kind of speaking out always your own personal uh, view and aspect, in if it's architecture, if it's graphic design. Yeah, I and I think also that the inside department kind of gives space for that. There are a lot of tutors you can talk to, and uh, everybody's also different. Hans would tell in the beginning, you can never uh, fit all the tutors. You're going to do some tutor, some subjects better, some subjects maybe uh, would think of the other subject. Play time too, or so. Yeah, we, we have that too, if you have uh, two teachers working on the same, like mm-hmm. giving you feedback on the same thing, it's going to be very different. And- yeah, yeah, and especially like with this project, we have like four or five tutors often kind of propose again and again. Uh, it's it's very good to have kind of a lot of tutors, and I really appreciate that. Uh, so now you're working with this ecology research. Yes. Uh, is there is it already at the stage where you already started thinking of how it's gonna materialize or? Yeah, I find myself sometimes nerdy, and I would like to maybe uh, make some kind of machine but uh, maybe with a performative aspect so that you maybe can exercise uh, it can contribute to ecology something in that that i'm not gonna tell what it's gonna be because <laughs> that would be boring if, if you know what, oh, if, what you it already, should, if you already <laughs> knew now then i think yeah. you're gonna fail yeah. <laughs> i mean i mean i for for myself i also don't know and that kind of makes me exciting like uh, about the, the the research because it can kind of still form and uh, yeah so i ask everybody this is the pressing question but uh what are your worries about this project Ooh. 
I mean, maybe meet, uh, meeting my own expectations. Spoken uh, as a true perfectionist. It's so weird, like I would be the last one uh, graduating from fine arts, right? No, I mean... <laughs> gather everything that you have so far yeah instead of just you know boiling it in your head was it uh, I mean for nice me to see it all? yeah I mean for me I, I, I kind of knew what I'm doing so <laughs> for me it was like kind of nice it was a very nice experience and I have to say like uh, yeah this time I really felt good it's so funny right sometimes you really know or if something's good or not well that's so nice it's a uh, you know assurance Meeting your own expectations, I guess. Yeah, I think it's indeed like if I compare it to university, it's much less about kind of like, oh, do I have this drawing correct or not? But it's kind of more like, do I feel confident? Uh, can I sell my uh, self-esteem and my confidence to the audience? I see it sometimes more like that. Happy for you. <laughs> I don't know where it was still like 50% of the presentation is based on the presentation itself and the performance. Oh, is it 50? I think they, <laughs> it's not a precise math, I'm sure, but uh, yeah, I heard it too. Yeah. It's uh, self-esteem. Um, so what are, what's your next step in this project? Do you already sketched out a plan? It's going to be so technical, no? <laughs> Go ahead. I think I'm just going to kind of uh, please myself and, and make a, a lot of uh, quick, crazy sketches and um, look what's most possible to do. Uh, because it would be also super nice to have something on the terrain itself and because with the physical design I know for myself coming from architecture to, to fine arts it was I was so naive thinking oh I'm gonna make this project like in one day and then then you're there like thinking about like oh how does this material be work I really don't know I never had it in my hand before and I think there kind of comes also like a little bit the um, communication with the design, so to say, when you kind of really have something physical you're working with. Sometimes we do have this uh, perception that we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll do it in one day, or I'll, I'll just do the yeah. whole semester <laughs> in this last week. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like the good design or the design that works always looks like it was made maybe in a day because it looks so effortless. Mm. I find that same with reading something of a very good writer. It seems like it took them you know, one afternoon to just sit down and, and write it up. Whereas, yeah. in fact, it was like long research and a lot of uh, sweat, blood and tears. Yeah, so actually, I know I'm probably going to get to the design process as early as possible, <laughs> like just after this interview. Okay. <laughs> after this talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish I had this... Uh, Luxury. Luxury. No. <laughs> no, I think at this point, yeah, we're talking now at the end uh, of the semester almost. No more concept development, it just has to be done. You, you also know, right? Like, like, indeed, like no concept development, then it's so much better to start as early as possible with the physical. You have to set yourself a deadline. Yeah. It's yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be like Da Vinci's, just never finishing a work. Just. Oh, it, it always, of course, it always can be beautiful. better, but... Uh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I mean, yeah, he was, I think he was, he was always, from what I read, he was always developing his uh, varnishes and therefore some of his paintings uh, started to deteriorate before he even 
passed away because it, you never really have one thing that works. You're always just looking for the next better thing. Methods and experiments. Hi, Malta. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're like all the like official podcast kind of person. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, we've met before. Uh, yeah. We were pitching our ideas to you. Could you maybe shortly introduce yourself, just the main dossier information? Sure. I'm uh, Maite Sunshine, currently doing my first year of the Masters in Interior Architecture at the Royal Academy of Arts. And um, I did my bachelor's in an interdisciplinary design program in Bremen, which is in northern Germany, where, so it's not actually an architectural background, it's more of, in my bachelor's we kind of did something out of everything and we could choose our own focus and I somehow ended up with um, temporal, temporary spaces, temporary architecture and how, like always dealing with the question, how do we want to change urban space since it's getting narrower and narrower and kind of vanishes from year to year a little more. How can we create uh, urban space that we as, as residents of cities want to use? And that's how I have found Insight, because I had the impression that this was a major focus of the program, even though it's called Insight, it really does deal with the outside a lot. And was it true here? So far, I'm uh, very, very happy I chose uh, Insight for working outside, because it's um, even in the interior projects, there's always this aspect of changing society through space and I really find that an important notion that we as designers don't we don't just make things prettier I mean you as a graphic designer have the same issue always having the cliche of just making pretty things but it's actually more relevant than that and it's more important to people it's just hard to grasp if you're not in our bubble of of arts academies yeah you just study design and you could sit in a course in one year with uh, two graphic designers and a product designer doing fashion and in the next uh, course you choose, you do um, uh, new furniture or you, you try to do exhibition design. And it's all different people with different interests always mixing up in the courses. And that was, uh, yeah, it was quite a rich study, because, but in the end, nothing in depth. So that's why I went here to do something in depth. <laughs> so you're not the master of none. <laughs> well. <laughs> Is it like a mandatory thing to have an... Uh architectural or urban design background to study in Insight? Not at all, no. Um, I think Insight takes the the quite a broad definition of spatial design. And I think while like going through the applications, the, the tutors in the head of department, they, they always look on having a, a rich mixture of artistic people. There are people in our studies with more technical background. There are even students who did real architecture degrees, like building houses. Um, others just did an arts degree and just, I mean, of course, uh, yeah. metaphorically, but that's how you like proper jobs and us designers. Um, and we all mix and influence each other, influence each other which uh, makes quite the, the rich discussion. So in the first year you have to work on a few collaborative uh, projects. Or is that not mandatory? So no. far I only met people who work in groups. <laughs> yeah, it's in our year it's somewhat more common than the other years, but it's I think the idea is that you work as an individual and on individual projects. 
but there is no rivalry so somehow you end up working in a big group but especially the first couple of projects they really aim to like tickle out what your individual focus is and now we're all stuck in the third project of the first year which kind of starts with a collective research and that's why we all teamed up to do this research phase so what are you working on right now i'm uh working as the others probably told you the the, the current topic i'm working on um, is as well the marine terrain former navy area military area in amsterdam and um i started my research with katarina tioli on the difference between private and public spaces and how an area which was formerly controlled by the military now switches into something accessible by the public. So it was very, very private, and now it gets more and more open to the public. It was 300 years of the military reign, something like that. So In that area, that specific spot? Yeah, it's never been wow. open to the public. So it's been, since, since wooden ships, it has been a military area only. This, of course, left its marks. So the area is, is crowded with obstacles, signs, there's like uh, different pavements that all show you that something else, something more uh, controlled has been happening there for a long time. And now there's a cafe and you sit outside and you try to occupy the place, but it's really hard to occupy a place that has been occupied for so long. And to uh, empower people to be able to change it and to change public space to their needs and to occupy it according to their wish and to their uh, focus or, or um, abilities is something Katja and me focused on to, to empower that, that process. I guess it also uh, one of the obstacles is that the presence of the military is still there. Yeah, it's, it's super close. Physically absolutely. and uh, like... Yeah, you've got the high fences, yeah. you've got the high fences, you've got the cameras, you've got the soldiers marching. So you have them right next to it. And we talk, there are now more and more initiatives co um, collaborating to form the space in a more public manner. And they said at the beginning it was a harsh conflict. The soldiers giving up their land and then the hippies, so to say, the, the initiatives that changed the space now on a temporary basis, they come in and they, like, it was well maintained because the military is very disciplined in that way. Right, <laughs> unlike um, the public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now people sit on the grass and have a barbecue and throw, their, throw their cigarettes in the grass. And the, um, we talked to a restaurant owner and he said was in the beginning was very that you could really grasp the conflict in the air of the military hating what happened there, this loosening up of rules. And um, he said over the process of a couple of years now, they managed to actually form a kind of friendship. And the, now the soldiers happily come to the new restaurants. It is interesting how we uh, still tend to own even the public spaces. Okay, I understand that it was officially theirs to reign in, but... Um, even if it, when it's officially not yours anymore, you still like it's my spot. Yeah. And you also, you know, if, if there's a bench where you always have your lunch, it is your bench, right? Yeah. Somehow you, yeah. And but is it is it really always the case? I think I think that's something really difficult because it's not for everybody, you know. It's for us. It might be easier, um, meaning we are having language. Um, and like language skills and visual qualities that are mainstream society. We're in a yeah. we're in Western Europe. We we speak uh, the language to communicate with the average like of society. Public space often is, and that's of course. I'm just trying to point out our position of privilege in a way, being white, being 
like middle-aged, obviously not too bad off uh, economically. So there are some advantages of when we move through public space, we have in comparison to other people. So this claiming you the bench is your bench might just be much harder for, for other people. So how, how and the, especially in a place where military um, reigned for so long, which for a long time also was like exclusively masculine, now isn't anymore, but still... It's still... Like, for, yes. <laughs> it's not exclusive anymore, but it's still... Yeah, 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 in that sense, ma- yes. In the majority, yeah. So there's so much privilege that has created this space for people like the privilege. So it's easy to forget that it, it, by having this quality of being created for me, it excludes a huge number of people. If you look at the user group, it's super homogenous. But we're talking about center of Amsterdam, right? It's already quite a specific group. Uh, probably, but it's very close to a social housing complex uh, with okay. economically changed, uh, challenged uh, group groups. Lots of construction going on, so there would be lots of construction workers, um, and still the people we see in the marine train are mm-hmm. the people with the MacBooks. People like it's people like us, and it's not a bad thing that we are feeling comfortable there. It's a bad thing others can't. Changing the space could change that as well. And that's a difficult task, but it's a task worth thinking about. The like yeah, architects do buildings, right? And uh, that, of course, is a huge part of the built environment. But also all the little things, all the, the signs and the rules, the lines on the floor that like direct you where to walk and how to behave and where to sit. So all those rules also create an atmosphere of control that is not really architectural. Um, that's the graphic design part. That's also graphic design <laughs> part. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Everybody was mentioning their specific area in base. Um, what are you working on? Is there something you picked? Yeah, we we are teaming up with a couple of people and all try to differentiate different ways of claiming space and to <laughs> look for the biggest challenge. We kind of chose um, the area where we felt the most claims already exist. So there's clear signs of former military activity there. There is now different restaurants and companies. There's some gardening initiatives that just plant plants and they try to, to get rid of like a parking lot that has been there and, and all that. But it actually keeps, just keeps layering up. And all these different activities, they claim spaces in front of these, uh, it's the west shore of the Marina Terrain. So that there's almost no space for the user anymore, even though public space right. should be created for the user. And that's what we're trying to tackle. How can we give space back to the user and at this particular crowded uh, area? If you walk from the swimming area towards the foot bridge, um, it's the West Shore. So it's if you're looking at, I think it's called Nemo, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're looking at that, then you're on the space we're working on with all the different clusters of gardening and restaurants. Yeah. Going on. So, uh, what stage is your project right now? <laughs> it should be on a stage <laughs> where I can look at it, but it's really uh, still very conceptual. Um, we're just in the minutes uh, of finishing our research and uh, doing a little publication about it, and going to dive into doing an actual intervention in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, if we are also welcome uh, on the terrain, because of COVID, it's not clear we can actually do something there. Mm. Um, you're looking to actually making the idea tangible yeah the idea is that we do and like and and, in we I mean actually the entire class 
kind of is our plan to have an actual intervention with uh, inviting the initiatives, the people around, the residents, and um, at least have a weekend where our interventions can affect the space and the users to actually try uh, what we design in the real world with the real people. But it's, it seems like a long road to take for a short amount of time we have left. Always this ambitious it's project. always the same. Aim for the stars. Um, is there something that's uh, kind of worrying you for now? Like what, what would be actually, yeah, there's always something that worries us, but what's your biggest worry? On the project. Regarding the project, yes. Um, I really, I really wish to include new user groups and to open up the terrain to a more diverse user group. And I fear that if you do something that's short term, how can it have a long term effect? Or is it all for nothing? Is it just for me? Right. And that would be the worst. I mean, if it, if I would were to do an intervention, and in the end, the general judgment must be it's only been for me. In creating something, a new experience for the users, that would be the worst outcome. I'm worried about that to get actually people there. Right now we are still in the fade out, hopefully fade out of a pandemic that kept us all at home. So to actually get people outside and together there, and especially people who are not used to, to, exactly. to using the terrain, it will be harder than usual. And in general, like even in normal circumstances, it's hard to attract the whole new group exactly. for a short time. It's, well, you got quite a... Quite a task, eh? Task, yeah. <laughs> no, it, I mean, even if it's a small intervention and even if it's only one new person coming, um, it would still be a success, I believe. Just to at least show the now existing user group, the privileged ones, that they are privileged. At least raising the awareness of the exclusiveness the terrain right now right. offers mm. and, and, and comes along with. And so if nobody, no new user group, decides to enjoy whatever we try to create, uh, I hope that at least the people currently there understand their position a little better after we left. Could you uh, shed a little bit of light, like a t little teaser of what exactly are you planning? It's, it's all very vague, I have to admit, but um, basically we want to give people tools on how, can, how to claim space. So what do you need in your hands to be able, you are alone in a new space, you don't know your environment, what do you need to occupy space to create this atmosphere um, similar to a beach towel. So you go to a, a beach, it's huge, it's, and you create this little area which belongs to you, which you temporarily occupy, claim mm -hmm. for yourself by placing your towel. And uh, the moment you go, you take your towel and your traces like are gone with the wind. Um, hopefully, if you don't leave your cigarettes <laughs> around. But um, a, a towel or a picnic blanket would be an easy example on what to offer people to quickly be able to occupy space. It can be a hammock, can be a, a, sometimes a ceiling is enough if it's uh, too sunny or too rainy, which the latter is probably going to happen more often. Right. <laughs> um, a, 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 like a temporary roof can can create a space for for a person. But this say with COVID, there was also some initiatives in some parks where they just drew the circles for. Yeah, them. I don't know. I didn't know it was in the, in the Netherlands as well. I've seen the uh, New York. There was oh, a, really? a lot of images from New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. One of the ways, I guess. And the moment you step into one of those circles, that area kind of is yours because it's yours. No, yeah, nobody yeah. else can enter. That's a very strict way, and it would be an example, of course. You could also say, okay, if you as an individual want to find a spot where you can be like, where you can feel safe, 
how can you think about a concept that gives you safety? Does it need less than a blanket? Is a, is a circle on the ground enough? Finding the right tool is still a process, but something to temporarily take over would be, would be a goal. You guys have a lot of very interesting problems to solve. <laughs> Design problems. Yeah, it's a lot of problems. I appreciate it. Then you know that it's worth uh, digging into. Sounds really exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Intimidating. Definitely a master program worthy problems. <laughs> well, <laughs> intimidating is to me as well. So we'll see what comes out of it. Our, our head of department, he has a way of describing this first year where we try to dive into different ways of designing space. He says, you can't succeed at every of them because they are so different, but after having lived through all of different ones, you definitely have a clear focus on what to, what to do for the master, which is going to occupy the entire next year. And I really like that idea of uh, getting involved, getting like also stressed and, and challenged by different disciplines um, without the pressure of having to be a plus star star number one in every of them but taking along a whole lot of different approaches and that's really working out well so live through the first year of challenges to succeed in a second is a is it working i hope it will be working well but i really enjoyed it you're you're never alone even though you, you might be stuck in your project alone which we all are from time to time you're never really alone you can always uh, you can always ask everybody and in the end, everybody feels the same. So being stuck together is way less worse than being stuck alone. Um, hi, Alicia. Hi. Um, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Yeah. Very nice. So could you shortly introduce yourself like where are you from um maybe how yes. old are you what are you into yeah, yeah i am uh, my name is alicia <laughs> i'm um, i am 28 years old and i'm doing uh, my masters in here and interior architecture which year are you second so okay yeah thank um, you so much for finding time yeah. for me no, it's actually fine. We had to um, refuse on Friday, so now it's a bit uh, slower before it really picks up. But uh, yeah, I'm originally from uh, Poland, uh, the city of Poznan. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been living in the Netherlands already for I think four years. Did so you before. do other studies here? No, I did my bachelor in uh, architecture in uh, London. Then I took a bit of a break and then I came, but I was yeah, already here before I started uh, the studies. And how did you find inside? I was yeah, looking on uh, different uh, master courses, but I wanted to study interior architecture and on my bachelor I also studied in art school. So I was looking for, I really enjoyed it and I was looking for something similar. And I think um, yeah, program wise and uh, approach wise, yeah, the inside seemed like a good fit. And Are I they think... similar, like the, your previous art school in uh, Kabeka? Yes, I think so. I think um, yeah, before it was a bit more yeah it was architecture so it was a bit more it had to be more structural a bit more academic mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think in the structure of the course and in the approach and also like that it's more about opening up your creativity, I think that was similar and that was also what I was looking for. I'm assuming it's quite autonomous. An art school approach to architecture, interior architecture uh, versus the technical university yeah, that sure. uh, you're really able to yeah, do what you're yeah. like really passionate about. Yeah, and I think it's just much more um, yeah, opens your idea on, on the world and also because we are so different on our year and yet we still all study the same thing. It's quite nice to to see also how yeah, how people are different and how differently they look at the same things or at the yeah. world. So it's, um, yeah, I like it. Uh, it, is, it is amazing. I, I had some experience uh, just recently working with, with urban designers, with uh, architects, and it's really different how we are approaching things, yet it seems like we're all trying to solve the same problems, yeah. but the approaches and the way yeah. Yeah, we're diving into it and how we're researching is very it's true. different. It's yeah, really cool. I think it's it's very nice that there are no clear boundaries Yeah, and you can just find your own way. And so you mentioned uh, you had your green lights uh, yes. presentation. Yes. Um, how did that go? Uh, well, yeah, I got a green light. So <laughs> Congratulations. I, uh, I can go on. Um, uh, so at what stage is your project right now? Well, it's um, yeah, it's already in the design phase, but I would say now it really... I think now the review was really about uh, seeing what I'm doing and how I want to progress till the end. So now I can... it's the final stage where I can really dive into it and dive into details of the design, etc. Before it was really still finding yeah, start to design, but also finding the right method or way to do it. And now it's just doing it. <laughs> and could you tell me more about your project specifically? What are you working with? Uh, yes, so I decided uh, this year to do my project in Poland. Well, it wasn't a necessity, but I think it was uh, a little bit of urgency that I um, that I found during uh, the summer. And uh, it is in my home city. And uh, I'm actually working on um, marketplaces of the city. It's not the marketplaces as we know from here. It's more, uh, yeah, it's permanent structures. So they are never being taken down and they work there, there seven days a week. But uh, yeah, over the years, they, they are all, all there already over 130 years in the same space, serving the same, yeah, the same community. But yeah, only recently actually City gained an interest towards those sites and uh, realized that um, yeah, they have a very precious space uh, and lands in the city and tried to propose because also the, they are very now self-driven structures so yeah, the, the stands are provided but everything around is arranged yeah, yeah. by people. So the city also wants to make it look nicer and make it, of course, much more modern, that it fits yeah. within this uh, idea of a Western uh, developed city. But yeah, that's not the way to go, because what city is proposing is basically a new market structure, which is then pushing away all the people that are now there because of like raising rents, etc., etc. So what I'm trying to do this year is kind of solve this problem, because the, the people in the neighborhoods also want the change, but they don't 
really know specifically what they want because what the city proposed also raised a lot of fears so there is like a big clash yeah. between like uh, bottom up and top down yeah, approaches so I'm trying to uh, find a new way how those places could serve um, the community that responds to both sides and um, yeah it's a long process it's really happening and it's it's something that uh, yeah i have to be sensitive about the neighborhoods about the people that are there but at the same time i have to be realistic of what is wanted and uh, so i'm trying to stand somewhere in between, in between but at the same time uh, yeah keeping my position as a designer and believing that I can propose something yeah, that could work uh, for this place. There is a lot of uh, issues and potentials that the space has, but a lot I think has been lost over the years. So now I also see that it doesn't serve to its full capacity. So yeah. Are these uh, like spaces in the I don't know in the city within yeah. the city? Yeah. It's mainly within the old neighborhoods of the city because it has mm-hmm. to do with how the neighborhoods were structured and then joined to the city hundred years ago. Yeah, but it was way more natural in a way, yes. right? Where wherever people found the sp- yeah. spot they loved, that's where yeah. they're like roaming. Yeah, right? the whole community was growing around it, yeah. and I think it's important that it has such a long tradition. To, yeah. to also keep it. There are people that sell there which were selling there when my grandmother was uh, still a teenager. So I think uh, it's it's a very important also cultural and uh, historical aspect. It's nice to go shopping where your exactly. grandma used to yeah. go shopping, exactly. right? We have those spaces in Lithuania as well. And I feel like, especially in the uh, bigger cities and the capital, definitely most of the market places, the ones that are inside markets, mm-hmm. of course, because we're both from a cold climate, yeah. um, they were greatly gentrified. And now if, as a visitor back in my home country, I love it because it's, yeah, yeah it's very clean. It, the windows are always washed and always yeah. shiny. And the, you know, the tiles might be old, but they're still, yeah. you know, now they have like uh, nice copper trimmings and yeah. uh, whatnot. Uh, but also you see that these old ladies who've been selling there for decades, now they're kind of pushed as this not such cool part yeah. of the of the market where now we have oysters and champagne yeah. uh, nooks and uh, designer hamburgers yeah. and, and, and and french bakery all of a sudden yeah. in the middle of lithuania uh, it's of course gaining some but definitely the local community and people who actually built it to be a cultural yeah. uh, place are losing yeah. in most of the cases yeah that's true but it's also yeah it it wasn't easy because yeah there's as you say so many things that work for one people and don't work for the others Uh, but i think now i'm on a good uh, so but uh logistics then how do you work on the graduation work in the hague yeah Yeah. while your actual project is based in poznan yeah i so i went back a few times most of the research i was actually gaming at the beginning of the year and then um, yeah, around Christmas I, I went again, so I had those two crucial moments to really uh, gain information. And other than that, there has been a lot written, of course, in Poland. It's, this is a specific city, but every city is struggling uh, yeah. with the same thing. And you've been working on this, you said you got inspiration like last summer. And yes. And you've been working ever since. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, first we wrote the thesis, so that was okay. more of a research part. And that's the first 
part of the second year in yes. uh, your department? Yeah. yeah, so first we write uh, the thesis, which is a research to our project. And from then we start to translate the research to the design potentials. Great. That's how it went. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, that's uh, crucial information. <laughs> so was there anything w- within your research that actually surprised you that you had like maybe different opinion or uh, you had a different view that changed during your research? Yes. So I was always aware about those market sites in the city. It's, I never really lived in the neighborhood. Um, that has such market and I yeah of course I went a few times but it wasn't really it was like just going to the market it's not your part of routine no exactly and and I think as as I so it was always just a market but then I um, I kind of start started to gain an interest towards those side and start to yeah actually most of the things that I explored were some kind of a surprise to me but I think mainly the um, yeah the people actually and the social connections that grow within the markets i think this it's quite uh, it's quite uh, remarkable i think it was really surprising how for some people it going to this market site can be the only social interaction they get and you so, have your person for yeah everything. and it's also i was actually never aware how because of course you go to the market and a lot of people sell the same thing so I never realized this, um, yeah, that actually the sellers have to, it's not like they're forced to connect with the buyer, but of course it's about bringing customers to themselves. So it's yeah. all these uh, kind of little structures of how how the system actually works. That is super interesting. It's also super complex. Like you could write about it and write. So um, just the stories. Uh, yeah, the stories the... of people that, uh, also sell there just to gain uh, their old books, just to gain a little more money. Very sad if it was going to to disappear. It it would be different if someone came with, you know, uh, uh, the bulldozer and just demolished it and built a nice uh, shopping mall and stuff. But when it's, when you're slowly being, you know, your your rent is being raised, your yeah. somebody cannot afford it anymore, and you're slowly your community is yeah. changing into this boutique culture. Exactly. It's, uh, that's that's what is going to happen because even if you think of a moment that um, where when the market is being taken under uh, refurbishment, this there for the for those people it's a six days a week job. So the moment that you put and even refurbish it for six months, it's like six months. Um, without uh, income. I hope I hope you've managed to uh, help <laughs> yeah. the community like somewhat. I do believe or I hope that after this I can go maybe just to community and say look maybe this is how we should start conversations with the city or uh, to the city and see look this is what this uh, or any other place uh, could be. So far, it sounds like you you got this. You're very <laughs> yes. driven. Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult design task. Remember that also respect yourself. That you are a designer and you want to bring something new and what you believe in. Uh, so is, is it good? Is it good enough? Or is it? I know my way forward and I hope it uh, will be nice. <laughs> I hope so too. So um, I ask everybody this question, yeah. if uh, there are any worries you have about the project. So you now mentioned the balance and um, is there Yeah, I think uh, time is a worry. 
there's not so much time left anymore. You always worry a little bit how people are going to take it in or if, yeah, what is the response. Um, But other than this, I think um, it's quite okay. The time is the biggest uh, enemy now. (laughs) That's kind of a curse and a blessing, right? Sometimes it's just good to have a deadline. Indeed. On the other hand, you think, okay, it's just this, push it, and then you have your rest. Yeah, just do it. well, that, this was very nice. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you, but you think that would be really worth mentioning about your working process, about, I don't know, your future aspirations, um, about your experience in the inside so far? I no. think it was... Uh, well covered. covered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well covered, yeah. Well, thank you very much for your conversation, Lizia. Thank you. Uh, good luck with your project. Yes. I hope you really can make the impact that you're yeah. dreaming of. <laughs> I hope so too.